This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we got a special treat tonight. Uh, how, how, how many know Lawrence? How many have met Lawrence and know Lawrence? I think only half of them. Well, half of them, that's why I had to introduce you. Hey, man, he's, he's okay, despite, despite all the, yeah. You always say that yourself, but I didn't come up, I didn't come up here to joke. Uh, Lawrence is one of my sons of the faith. You guys been here, what, about 12 years? 12, coming on 13. Yeah, I was trying to figure out Ryland's age a while ago, about 13 years. And, and, and like, like, like all of you, Lawrence is the reason we're here. Lawrence is the reason that, uh, when Mrs. Pastor and I, my family stand in front of Jesus, he's going to judge us faithful. Because we got people come in that like we were, we came from Loserville, talk about myself personally, and Jesus put me under men and women of faith that taught me the word of God, showed me how to quit being a loser and start being a winner. And then he called me to help develop losers into winners. And Lawrence came, he was definitely a loser, weren't you? Yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be doing the preaching. And so, no, no, I've said this, I've said this while he's, while he's preaching tonight. Lawrence has passed test after test after test after test, like all of us have got to if we want to grow in God. He's raised up wonderful, wonderful family. His children, he's got four children that are just absolutely good examples for anybody to see. And look at Lawrence's family, that that's the kind of family you want to look at and think, man, I want my family to be like that. That's a family that's full of peace. They're full of love. They're full of joy. They're full of victory. And they know how to win no matter what comes against them. And so that's why we have Lawrence up here tonight to be able to preach. It's been a while because of COVID. We couldn't do a whole lot of extra stuff. But now we're going to be able to start using people again to what God's called them to do. So anyway, let's give a hand for Lawrence because he's a blessed man of God. Proud of you, son. Intro. I know. I was like, I was, I was hoping you were going somewhere when you said the loser part. I'm like, okay. But how's everybody doing? Blessed. All right. So am I. I got to admit, the last time I was at the podium, that we were on live stream, and it just threw me off. I mean, whoever watched the Brady Bunch, and I, I don't know if it was Cindy or it was Jan. It was it was one of the girls, and like they were on some TV show, and then when the red light came on the camera, they froze. And that's exactly how I felt like the last time. I was like, oh my gosh, that sounded like I just I just sounded weird. Let me, let me go with that. So tonight, I'm going to talk about Galatians 6, 9. Woo! That's good. You can, you can get ready because we're, we're, we're going to camp out in that area. But first we need to know what Galatians 6, 9 says. Right? So before we get into the word, or before we get into it, let's uh, pray real quick. We just thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord. We thank you that... You're gonna, you're gonna have your way tonight, Lord, that this is your service. We thank you, Father God, that you, your words are gonna be spoken, and that whoever needs to hear this, Lord, that they're gonna pick it up and they're gonna use it in their lives. They're not just gonna let it fall to the wayside, Lord. They're going to use it and they're going to thrive from it. And we just thank you, Father God, for the service. We thank you for the nurseries and the children's service, Lord. And we just thank you that we have a church to be able to do all this in. And we just give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Galatians 6, 9 says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we're going to reap a, reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So sometimes when I read the Bible, I always break it up until like it's 
their instructions, right? Because we always hear the acronym, basic instructions before leaving earth. So when I read this verse, I think of like, okay, we're going to reap a harvest. That's God's part. But we can't give up. That's our part. So keep your mind on that for a second. And let's move on to where I call the microwave mentality. The microwave mentality is wanting something quick, fast, and easy. You know, my teenagers, you know, you love frozen foods and hot pockets and everything else. They just, you're hungry and you want it now. That's what I call the microwave mentality. But let me tell you, I'm guilty of the microwave mentality. Because you homeowners know this little thing called home improvements. And so when I don't know something, I get on YouTube and I look at it. And then I'm like, okay, I can do that. And then when I look at something that's on a 30-minute video, and then I'm like three and a half hours into the job, and I'm like, why is it not done? Then I get frustrated. And then you want to give up. So when it comes to home repairs, in my mind, I want to be Bob Vila, but I end up being Tim the Toolman Taylor. And I do, I'll mess up. Like, you know, I mean, if I, if I get frustrated, and that's what Leah always tells me, she goes, you just need to slow down and just... Let it happen, you know, take it step by step. So tonight I'm going to talk about some areas that you might be ready to give up on. And you might be ready to give up because you haven't seen your harvest yet. Because you might be having that microwave mentality. So, financial areas. That was a big one for me. And a lot, I'm going to be mixing in a lot of my own personal testimony because I feel like I'm not going to step up at the podium and talk about something that I haven't been through myself. And I figure that's the best way to do it, because you give your testimony, you show, you show how God got you through it, and then you back it up with God's word. So, as Pastor said, 13 years ago, I came to High Desert Word Center. And I was. I was a loser. I was a loser at a lot of stuff. But in the ways of finances, I mean, I knew the word tithe. And the only reason why I remember the word tithe because I grew up and I, my parents went to church, but I didn't know what it meant. I didn't, I just, only thing and the truth was, I just knew it rhymed with tide. The, the clothing soap. I was like, oh, why are they giving clothing soap all the time? That's what I used to think when I was younger. Like, why are they giving clothing soap? What, why is that so important? I guess God wants clean clothes. But, I never knew any, I didn't know the importance of it. I didn't know any of the benefits of it. I knew eventually, coming to the church, I knew that it meant giving 10% of your first fruits, of your income, before taxes. Now, I knew that. And for months, I started doing that. But then I started not seeing one single result. Because what started kicking in? My microwave mentality. And a lot of us do that. A lot of us are going to be tithing, and you're going to tithe for like a week or a month. And and I think Pastor Dave said it, or even Josh said it. Hey, Josh. But you can't expect to dig yourself out of your financial hole in a month or two if you spent years and years and decades putting yourself into it. And that's what happened. I was wanting to get out of my financial hole, but I was like saying, okay, God, I want it now. You remember that commercial where they say, you know, it's my money and I want it now. And that's how I felt. So, I'll tell you, at that time, my financial situation was horrible. 
I mean, I had bad credit, and for you Dave Ramsey people, that doesn't really matter, but I was always behind on bills. I couldn't even afford a decent car, you know, let alone our dream of, like, you know, owning a house. But the thing I left out in all this, even though I was giving my 10% of my check, I wasn't being consistent with it. I wasn't being a cheerful giver, because I felt like it was a chore. Like, okay, well, you know, I make X amount of money, and 10% of X amount, man, I could do a lot with that. I can go have a good dinner with my family. I could do this. I could do that. I wasn't putting any faith behind my tithe, because that's a requirement, too. You, got, you know, if you want something out of life, you should be praying over that tithe before you stick it in the bucket, and don't just blindly drop it in. And like I said, in the back of my head, I wanted the results now, now, now. And how many of us want that? Or wanted that? And I thought, like, okay, well, I tithe. And it's like, well, you know, why don't, why don't I have it now? Why don't I have my car that I've been praying for and I've been tithing for? Well, because you've only been tithing a month. Give it some time. Give God some time to erase your years and decades of bad spending. You know, I wanted a five-star restaurant results at a hot pocket speed. So let's go to Malachi 3.10. You guys are probably saying, like, is he going to get to some word? Malachi 3.10. I am so much better when it's not live stream. So much better. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. Okay. We've heard this a lot of times. I just need to stop real quick. Okay. He'll open up the windows of heaven for you. What have we heard that heaven is made out of? What are the streets made of? Like here, like they're rebuilding the streets in my neighborhood and it's just stinky tar and asphalt. But what are the streets of heaven made out of? Gold. And what are the gates made of? Giant pearls. And kids are probably playing soccer with giant rubies. And, you know, they, they have a... Oh, God bless you. But if God has opened up the windows of heaven, and that's what's up in heaven, holy shnikes, come on. Okay, I'll go on. I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great You won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, I'm no theologian. And I'm not Pastor Dave, who's had many degrees in Bible studies. But I know one absolute Bible fact. Well, I know many, but this is like one of them. It does not say this in any other part of the Bible, where it says, put me to the test. Nowhere. I mean, am I right, Pastor? Does it say, it doesn't say anywhere else. It's giving you, God is saying, I dare you. Come on, put me to the test. See if this doesn't work if you do it my way. This verse showed me I had to change my attitude. And quickly, just go real quickly to Proverbs 3 9. Proverbs 3 9. And it says here, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything that you produce. So that's not telling you to dig in your, uh, in the bottom of your pocket 
see what you come up with, or in your cup holder in your car, that's saying your best. And like I said, God showed me my attitude had to change. I tithe off of every paycheck. I spoke words of faith over my seed. If there was a special offering, I gave into it. If there's a guest speaker, I gave into him. I learned to work on God's clock and not mine. And that's the biggest one right there. After years of not giving up, my harvest was secure finances, able to buy a new vehicle whenever I want to, bills paid, bills paid on time, on time. I love, you know, I love now, I mean, I I know the credit score absolutely means nothing, but it's just nice to see it when it's a nice high number, you know? I mean, I don't know, it it makes me feel good inside. But, and I've learned, and I gained the ability to give generously. I mean, I remember in, the, in, in back when I was, I mean, me and Leah were struggling. We, we, were, we were struggling, like the check-to-check type of lifestyle. You know, the girls were young, and we were cruising around in a two-door Honda Civic. And, like, out of the blue, someone gave me a minivan. And I'm like, that's exactly what I needed right now. And I told myself, I can't wait till I'm in a secure spot in my life where I'm just be able to like, oh, here, here's a vehicle. Just take it. You know, and God blessed me to put me in that situation. People make fun of me all the time. They're like, oh, you're, you're taking off of work. What vacation are you going on now? I was like, let me tell you, there's been a lot of movie nights with the kids at home, a lot of sacrifices we had to make to have this point in our lives now. So don't give up. And I'm going to get back to this whole like financial type of thing in a second. But another thing you might want to give up on, because you haven't seen any results from it, is relationships. So like Pastor said, or we noticed when we take a, took a verbal poll of raising your hand, some people don't know me very well. You just know me as the guy that sits in the back. And you know I am head of security, so I am. that's where my post is. I sit here and I protect you guys. But it may surprise you, and I'm speaking sarcastically, but I'm not an outgoing type of guy, okay? I'm not. That's just the way I am. I've never felt, back in the past, I never felt the need to have, like, close friends. You know, I thought, like, I got wife and kids. You know, I never have a boring uh, moment in my life. I didn't need to, I tend to come off as, like, stuck up. Because I was like kind of like shy and stuck in my comfort zone. You know, but I was wrong. I was wrong thinking I didn't need friends or to any of those other social situations. And then I thought, okay, well, like any good plentiful crop, it's going to take work. You know, and I'm not a farmer. And I have no aspirations of being one. But I do know one thing, and I can bet you no farmer has ever said, well, you know what? I planted this corn a year ago, and then I did, nothing ever happened after that. Because the farmer didn't tend to the ground. He didn't water it. He didn't fertilize it. He didn't do all that stuff. He just planted it and then left it there. You can't expect relationships to be, you know, fortified and made stronger by just like, oh, okay, well, I go to church, and, you know, 
uh, me and Julie got to be best friends now because we go to the best, we go to the church. You know, that's not going to happen. You know, relationships take work. You know, whether it's a friendship or your marriage or your, even your kids, you know, like if you want to be listened to, you got to be an active listener. And I learned that from a book that, uh, Mrs. P, uh, recommended for me, the, uh, the Dale Carnegie one. How to Make Friends and Influence People, which is a great book. I recommend it for anybody. But he was talking about how even if he wasn't particularly interested in what someone had to say, he would ask questions off of it. You know, I mean, I'll tell you the truth. My kids come up to me and they talk to me about video games, and I have about zero interest about what they're talking about. And, like, most of the time they'll look at me and they're like, Dad, this means nothing to you, huh? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely nothing. I go, but if it's important to you, it's important to me. And I ask, oh, well, what do you do there? When you have to take down the dragon, what do you do here? You know, be an active listener and ask questions. And what I've learned, too, while we're on the subject, don't try and flip it back to yourself. Because sometimes there's those types of people who are you're in a conversation with where I could be talking to, you know, Dave McNeil, and he could be telling me a story about how he went to go fix this farm equipment. Oh, yeah, back when I was 13 years old, I went to a farm, you know. And instead of asking him about what is going on in his life, I'm talking about my experience. And I joke around with my kids all the time, and I joke around with a lot of people. Where if I'm telling a story, and then they try to flip it off to them, they're like, okay, Maylee, we're not talking about you right now. It's about me and my story, okay? Sorry, baby, I didn't even call you out like that. I've never had to say that to her, just by the way. She's, when I call people out, when I add them to my message, it's usually the people that I, that I see at that exact moment. So, there you go. But, you want to be listened to, become an active listener. You want more friends? Step out of your comfort zone and be someone's friend. And that's more than just like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I said hi to that guy the other day. It's more than just saying hi to someone. It's about, like, you know, asking what's going on in their lives, seeing if that person is going through something, and be like, hey, are you all right? Sometimes it means a lot to somebody if you just check on them. But you can't give up on people. You can't give up on somebody like like the SPT program. That's a good example. Because Pastor Dave will give me someone on SPT. And like, for like, maybe like two days, like, it's, it's like a good back and forth type of conversation. You're dropping, you're dropping, uh, verses, and you're giving some kind of like personal knowledge and some testimony, and then like, nothing for like weeks. And you're like, why am I wasting my time? Why am I doing this? But you're like, you know, don't give up. Don't give up. Why am I like, you know, I, I tell you, I'm not the very most social person. But I'm like, okay, I need to cultivate relationships, even in my family. With my, so that's why I stay on them, especially my brother. He had a lot of he had a lot of issues, but he I know he's going to be delivered from them. I know drug addictions are going to be swept away. But you just don't give up, and even if you don't see results, you just can't stop. Let's go to a. Uh, well, let's pause one second. Like I said, I had to step out of my comfort zone. My church family is the one I see the most. I see you guys three times a week at least. 
The only other group of people I see more than you guys are my own family and the people I work with. So it's like one of those things. I always joke at work. I always say, like, you know what? I don't like, you may not like me, and I may not like you, but we're stuck with each other for, for 40 hours a week, so we've got to learn to get along. I'm not saying that should be here, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> it's true. So my church family has been there for me. And like Pastor said, I was a loser. My marriage was falling apart. But they were there for me. My sons, both of my sons, had major medical issues. I mean, Eli, holy moly. I don't even, I, I, I couldn't have gotten through that by not giving up. I could have gave up so many times with Eli. That kid, like, you know, if you talk about a test, that's, that was my biggest test. And it, the harvest was, is seeing that little boy run all over the place. Seeing that little boy bug me. Like, you know, a lot of times, I'm telling you, this kid won't stay in his bed at night. And like, I have now inserted prayers to God. Please, Lord. And I even look at Eli. Right When I say this part of the prayer, I look him right in the eye. And please let Eli stay in his bed all night long. And then like 3.30 comes along and he's coming in. I'm like, at 3.30, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, i got to wake up in like an hour and a half. You know, and then I know what him being in the bed means. He's going to kick me. He's going to like fling his arm. He's going to like, you know, all of a sudden just groan out of the blue. But then I look at that little kid's face 3.30 in the morning, and I'm like, gee, you know, there, there was a slight chance because day two, day three, day two or three, he stopped breathing. So, I mean, if anything could knock your faith for a loop, is seeing your newborn son hooked up to tubes. And when I say tubes, it's not like he had one. He literally had a feeding tube, a breathing tube, uh, IV in every appendage, heart monitors, everything. That tested me. When I got the call, Mr. Mata, your son has stopped breathing. Would you like to take life-saving measures to help him? All I kept, I just, I don't even remember how I got from my hotel to the hospital without, like, you know, getting in a crash or something. But I didn't give up. I know I was prepared for it. I couldn't give up. My Eli needed me. And a side note, that's why I always give credit, and that's why I tell Pastor Dave, you tell your testimony. Pastor, thank you for repeating year after year after year of telling about Pastor Dave being crippled and getting up, because it was that very testimony that helped me get through. And even Rylan. Rylan, holy... Man, that kid, we, there wasn't a month that went by where we weren't in the emergency room. Not a month. Even like, I think it was like the second or third time us coming to church, right around where Katie Brady is sitting, actually. The carpet's gone by now, but Ryland puked all over the place. That kid, like, we were freaking out because, like, we didn't know why. Just out of the blue, boom, just started puking. And then fever, when we knew the fever came, then we knew that the asthma was going to kick in. And if I would have told you, Rylan, who cannot sit still, Rylan, who cannot, you can't tell Rylan, don't run. 
You know, that's why he was built for soccer. I mean, like, if you want to see something, man, I can't wait until they lift the restrictions on soccer. And I guarantee you, you'll see that kid and you'll be like, wait, this was the one that needed breathing treatments? This was the one that was, like, unactive and was couldn't breathe half the time? He doesn't have any more symptoms from asthma. Because I didn't give up. But if that same type of motivation can be applied to to like health issues, imagine what it's going to do for your family member who hasn't come to God yet. Imagine that. That you're going you're to, you know, even pastor tells testimonies of how his grandmother prayed for him. So if his grandmother would have gave up, then I don't think any of us would have been in this building at this moment. Thank you. Now we can go to Proverbs 27:17. I like the whistles. This is a good one. Proverbs 27:17. Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Now there is a time, believe it or not, that, you know, things were going pretty smooth, and I'm not going to say what time period it was, but, like, it, th- it seemed like things were going smooth, but then it just seemed like we were, I mean, like, the devil was telling me and Leah the same lie, that we thought we were like social lepers around here. You know, we would invite people to our house, and then, like, you know, stay over, and then nothing happened. We're like, well, we need to plant seeds. We need to plant seeds. We want to hang out with people while well, we should be inviting people over. So that way, maybe we'll get invited somewhere. And then we're like, well, you know what? We're like making excuses in our head, too. We're like, well, maybe we don't get invited many places because we have too many dang kids. But we're like, okay, well, that, and then it just, there was a thing I shouldn't say thing. I should say lie. Lie after lie after lie from the devil to where we came to the point where we're like, I think we need to move. I think our time is done here. I think we're done. You know, you know, like, I remember pastor told me once, and I know this didn't apply to the situation, but pastor told me once, if it's not promote, if it's not producing fruit, you gotta cut it off. So I'm like thinking, like, if, if the Barstow area is not producing fruit, then maybe we should just go. You know, maybe, you know, I was, we were looking, I was looking at jobs. I was trying to figure out, you know, we're trying to like, okay, well, what kind of region will we want us move to but we didn't give up you know whether it's to where we both just really don't care anymore you know or you know or just things got better I mean obviously things got better but I think it was a little bit of both we just stopped you know like if people didn't want to advise over oh well you know I like hanging out with Maylee anyway you know me and Leah have a good time of just not talking to each other now that's when you've reached that plateau of your marriage, that you can be in the same room and then just not say a word but enjoy the heck out of that person. You've reached that plateau. I'm telling you, man, we're we are there now. Like there was times where like we felt like you know like there's like nervousness of like a first date. We're like I got to say something. You know what are we going to talk about? You know we have to talk. We're we're driving in the same car. Just weird. Me and Leah can go from, like, here to, like, Utah and not say one word to each other except discussing about where we're going to eat at. But that was the best car ride ever. 
Amen. They, they, you can tell. But I'm telling you, that, those are the types, those, those were my benefits from, that was my harvest from not giving up on relationships. Because there was a time where, I mean, me and Leah couldn't stand each other. We were, we were, we were like, we were hanging on by a thread, and literally by a thread. Let's go to Galatians 6.10. This one, in particular, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Galatians 6.10. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others. Especially, especially, I'll say it one more time, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. So, when I wrote this out, I was just, I was trusting in God. I was praying at that time because I had nothing else to add to that. But I thought it was like a verse that went well with like relationships. And then as I was sitting over there during praise and worship, I added a little note that it said we should be a reflection of the best things about the Bible. You know, and that doesn't even require saying words. Because sometimes, you know, you can, I don't know, I would like to think I'm a pretty good person about body language, and I could tell pretty quickly if a person doesn't like me. And I get that feeling a few times, believe it or not. You know, uh, that I can just get a look from somebody, that, you know, like a silence, and you're like, oh, man, that person really don't like me. And back then, it used to trigger, like, like uh, anger. You know, like, well, forget that person. You're like, you don't like me? Look at my beard. Look how cool I am. Come on. I'm the perfect friend. I won't even talk to you. But I've learned, you know, I had to be, I have to be a reflection of what the Bible says. I have to be a reflection about forgiveness and about being, uh, that iron that sharpens iron. That, you know, I don't, I, I believe, I, I, I can't remember. There, sometimes little bunny trails and little golden nuggets, they, they come from so many people in this church, it's hard to track on who it comes from. But, you know, the people used to say, you know, you, you fake it till you make it, or you, you know, but faith it till you make it. You know, I've learned, and, you know, it took all 42 years of my life, I've learned that forgiveness is, is like the art of just letting it go. And you don't have to be best friends with that person. We may have been enemies for 10 years. And then finally I'm going to decide, like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth holding this grudge against you. Now, I may not go out of my way to slip you a valentine. But I'm not going to go out of my way to be mean to you. And that's what I learned. And, you know, I, I learned that you don't have to be best friends with everybody. You don't have to have, uh, you know, cool conversations with your coworkers. It's okay. It's okay, but you forgive them. And you're, you know your conscience is clear. And you know that your heart is good. But you forgive them. And it, gosh, man, it's like I said, it took me 42 years to learn a lot about this, like about relationships. Because I had to step out of my comfort zone. I think being, you know, when you grow up in like a, a Latina household, the youngest is always called the baby. You know, and, you know, I sure was the baby, but I was a special kind of baby. I was like, there was so much turmoil with like the older kids that I, I wasn't neglected. And this is what I tell my kids. I wasn't neglected 
I was just left alone. And it was like, you know, like, you know, I just got to do my own thing while everybody's arguing at the dinner table. I'm just enjoying my food and, you know, what, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, with the, the means say, you know, like just popping your popcorn while, you know, while the drama's going on. You know, I got to be left alone in my room. I got to, you know, just chill. Like everybody said, oh, Lawrence, you were spoiled. I'm like, nah, I just even, I didn't give mom and dad any kind of, you know, trouble. If I had said, you know, hey, dad, you know, uh, can I borrow 10 bucks for gas? Oh, here's 20. And they're like, why did you always give him money? Because he never gives me any trouble. But stepping out of your comfort zone is going to be a big thing for people. You don't need to go make best friends by stepping out of your comfort zone, by just saying hi to somebody or saying, hey, you know, how are you doing? Or just being that, letting that reflection when you're going to the store. There's so many times where, like, you know, people just tick you off, you know, and I'm like, thank God now, like, for things like curbside pickup with Walmart. That was, like, made for me, you know, to where I can, like, do my shopping on my phone, and then I hit, I can pick the time I want to pick it up, and I just got to talk to somebody for, like, three seconds, pop it in my trunk, and I'm gone. I don't got to walk through, and I always joke with Pastor Dave when I see him in Walmart. I always say, run, Pastor Dave, run, someone's going to notice you. Because it's true, like if I see him and I'll, I'll give him like a real big cheesy smile when I see him caught with somebody in the corner talking to him when he's already told me, oh, I'm only here for like three seconds. I got to pick up, you know, this milk or whatever. And I just smile. I'm like, mm. see, no one will talk to me because I'm a little antisocial. You, Pastor Dave, you're the opposite. and Everybody's going to stop you. It's not a bad thing, though. Let me say that. Another thing is, let me check the time here. Oh, we're doing good. Sometimes I slow things and I add things to it to compensate for the time because I never like to finish early, but we're going good right now. So career. Sometimes we like to give up on our our goals, our dreams of having a good job or having good benefits and stuff. That was me. I used to, you know, I, I watched this movie once and he was uh he was talking to somebody and he was like Oh, you know, I, I, I've been looking for my perfect career. Look at my, he had a, this, uh, bulletin board full of like name tags from all these fast food places. And he's like, oh, look at my wide array of name tags from various fast food places. That was me. I was great at getting a job. I can charm you like no one's business when it came to an interview. I can write a resume like no one's business. Come to me. Don't go to the resume business. Come to me. I can, I can get you hired. My problem was staying employed. It's the truth. We have to, you know, having a steady and well-paying job is more important now more than ever. You know, COVID. A lot of people don't even work. Some people are taking advantage of not having to work. But the we all need money. We all have to pay for medication and all that other stuff. But I know how it feels to be unemployed with a family to support. I know how it feels to live paycheck to paycheck. Like my I, my finances, I had to trust God with my career too. So let's go to Proverbs three. Proverbs three, and this one's in the NLT. Proverbs three, five, and six. Proverbs three, five, and six says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding." Seek his will. 
Seek his will and all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So I was a little frustrated at my job. You know, sometimes you hit that little plateau. You know I mean, you're like you're doing your job, and you just like hit that plateau. You want to like keep scaling up, but you hit a plateau. So, like I said, using my great skills of interviewing and resume making, I was like, you know what? There was this good job, excellent job, job that like my my brother-in-law and my brother's in-laws have, and it was out in Boron, and I bet you you could probably guess what it was, and. I saw that they were doing the job fair in Victorville. I was like, you know what? I'm so ticked off at my job right now. Like, out of spite, I'm going to go to that job. And I'm just going to see if I can get it or not. I just, you know, it was like one of those things. I just wanted to test my skills, test the water, see how good it was. So I waited in line with everybody else. I had nothing else to do that day. It was my day off. And lo and behold, I got that job. I mean, well, let me, I went too forward real quick. They called me back. They're like, hey. You know, we 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 like what you're we like we we like what you're you're saying. We want to bring you back for a second interview. And like in my head, I'm like, what, you like what I'm saying? I'm just I walk I'm I'm just going through the motions with this. You like what I'm saying? Okay, all right. I even told Leah. I was like, I go, Leah. They actually want me to come back for a second interview. Went back for a second interview and like, wow, Lord, so I, we really want you to be part of the team. Well, can you come back for a third interview? But now come back to Boron. I was like. Okay. Mind you, I am totally walking through this thing. I am going through the motions. I'm like almost purposely trying not to get the job. You know? Lo and behold, like I said, I got the job. And me and Pastor, we were at a barbecue or something. And he asked me how things were going. And I was like, you know what, Pastor, I actually got the job. But I don't know what to do. And he told me, well... What's going to take you, just ask yourself, is this job going to take you away from church? Is it going to take you away from your family? You know, way out, the, basically what pastor was telling me was way out the pros and cons. So I weighed out the pros and cons, and like there was only one that mattered the most, that I was going to be away from my family a lot, and I was going to miss a lot of church. So it was like a no-brainer. I was like, you know, I had to turn down this job, and honest truth, when I told this guy, I called him up and said, you know what, I'm going to have to turn down this job. He was like, wait, what? You're turning it down? And then like his attitude went from like, oh, okay, cool, to like he was mad. He was, this dude was mad at me because I could tell, like, you know, we went through all this trouble of like, you know, going through the hiring process, and now you're telling us, you're too, you know, basically, you don't want to work here? God showed me what path to take, you know, and right around the time baby number three was on his way, which, as you know now, and if you don't, it's Rylan. By the time baby number three was about to pop out of Leah, she told me that she wanted to quit her job. She was at her job for like 13 years, and she was like, you know what? I just really want to stay home with the kids, you know, be a stay-at-home mom. I'm like, you do? Okay, well, I mean, more power to you. But she, she like looked at me. And God's honest truth, she was like, Lawrence, you just, you just gotta keep this job. You gotta do whatever you gotta do to keep this job. And so, like with a lot of other things in my life, I had to change my attitude. And I just couldn't give up at that job. I couldn't give up on trying hard or being the best worker I can be. 
Because like I told you, at that stage of my life, I had vast experience about getting a job, just no really good experience about keeping it. So the job that I'm currently at uh, is a good one, but it took a lot of faith to get there. And another little note that, or another piece of advice that pastor gave me was he's like, you know, when you're applying, pray over the application. Pray over the resume before you turn it in. And then I eventually found this verse, which is Psalms 32.8. Psalms 32.8. So like I said, Leah gave me the call. She's like, or not really a call, but she told me, I want to, I want to stay at home with the kids. Now it's time for you to take like your career path a little bit more seriously. So Psalm 32 says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I'll watch over you. And I had to believe that. And I was like, okay. And I, everything about this job was like like a jigsaw puzzle where you have a piece and it just, boom, you, it fit right into place. This happened, boom, and it fit into place. This happened, fit into place. Like there was even a point where, because I've been out at Furter and for, for quite a while with two different companies, and with this one company, like I was getting so many speeding tickets. And like I remember, once again, another pastor piece of advice. He's like, you know, Lawrence, you need to start praying over that road. You need to start praying for favor, you know, before you head off on that road. And, you know, obviously watch your speed. That's a common thing. But, I mean, 13 years I've not had one speedy ticket. 13 years. And mind you, mind you, yeah, go ahead and clap if you want to. But mind you, after, at that point, I literally got a ticket going into Fort Irwin, same day, and a ticket going out of Fort Irwin, saying, that's how bad it was at that point. That's how bad it was. And I'll tell you a story another time, but actually my beard got me out of both those tickets. I'll tell you, if you want to know the story, we'll, we'll talk afterwards. But that verse stayed with me because, like I said, the job I have now is a military contractor. And like every three or so a year, the contract changes. So this means that there is a potential of being laid off. And in the last 11 years, yeah, I was laid off once. And you want to know how long that layoff was for? Five days. Exactly five days I was laid off. <laughs> I was so, like, I was even annoyed that I got called back so quickly because I was like, I was, I'd gotten so used to my routine of, like, I would, I would take a nap when the kids took a nap, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd wake up late, and I was like, and I was even, I'm telling you the truth. It sounds funny. It sounds like I'm making up. It was literally around 9 o'clock, and I was just about to close my eyes for a nap, and I got called, hey, Lawrence, you know, you get to come back to work. And, like, in the back of my head, I was like, oh, can, can, can we start, like, next week? I mean, obviously, I went back to work the next day. But, okay, so in 11 years, I was laid off once, and I was even demoted. I was even demoted. And, like, I gave myself, and I shouldn't have even given myself that moment, but I gave myself an hour to be angry because I was demoted. I was demoted. And this time, 
I already had all four of my kids. And I was being dropped down by like five or six dollars. And that's a big impact when you got four kids. And, and I just said, you know what? I'm not going to give up even now. I'm not going to give up even now. Cause I looked back and I'm like, okay, God got me this job. God blessed me during this job. And Malachi says, put me to the test. I told you we're going to get back to that. So I had to tell God. I was like, okay, you told me to put you to the test, and I'm not being disrespectful. And literally the exact conversation I had with God was, if you don't want your tithe to go down, I gotta get a, I gotta get some way, somehow, this amount of money put back into my life. Either people are gonna send me checks, or I'm gonna, my unemployment's gonna be bumped up sky high, or another job's gonna come, or I'm gonna keep my job. And I told, and I said, God, you told me to, so I'm not being disrespectful to you. And sure enough, I, I, ever since I got laid off that one time, there was, so four, five, one out of five, I was laid off. There's five different times I could have been laid off, and only once I was, and that was five days. I don't know how significant the word five is, but. I didn't give up. That's what it comes down to. I didn't give up. I told God. I challenged him in the way he told me I had permission to, but he told me also, you are going to reap your harvest if you don't give up. So that way, if you're thinking about, well, why hasn't my finances fallen into place and you feel like giving up? Well, why hasn't this relationship fallen into place and you feel like giving up? I'm going to end everything. We're going to sum up everything. We're going to conclude everything. We're five minutes behind. With this little illustration, uh, it was showing, I don't know where I've seen it, but it was showing that this gold miner, and he was just mining for gold. He was doing his thing. And like, you know, month after month, week after week, day after day, he was just going to work in this mine. And he was like, you know, they told me that, that it was guaranteed I was going to strike it rich in this mine. And then finally, the, the miner was like, you know what? That's it. I, I spent way too much time doing this. I'm, I'm done. I'm giving up. And so he gave up, and he sold his mine to someone. And he's like, he goes, here, I'll, I'll sell it to you cheap, here. And so the guy worked, and like it wasn't even, a, wasn't even a day. He found that giant gold nugget that the guy before him gave up on. So that sums up everything. You know, gold, you might think of like, oh, okay, he's talking about finances. But not giving up because you, your harvest is right around the corner. Your, your harvest is like that so, so close. I mean, like I can talk to, about like not giving up on marriages. I look at the McNeils. That's a prime example of not giving up on a marriage. If they would have gave up, they wouldn't be here right now. That's, if I would have gave up, Eli wouldn't be here right now. If Leah would have gave up on me, we wouldn't be here right now. If Pastor would have gave up on me, I wouldn't be here right now. And if he would have gave up on the people around here, he probably wouldn't be here right now. So you see how it all goes back and why I just simply titled the message Galatians 6-9. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. 
at just the right time, at just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And that's all I got. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.